You are listening to a podcast by the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. Through her 
institution that she uh, founded and uh, directed is direct is the director of. So she's going to tell us a lot about this before we go straight into the project. If you don't mind, Simona, would you like to, to say how something about how you came? You know, obviously you're here with a very specific project. Uh, dealing with a fantastic cave in the south of Italy, but how does that relate to your uh, background, to your um, how you came to this topic, what are your what your interests are, and so on? Yes. In three minutes. Yes. <laughs> three minutes. Three minutes. Thank you, Anna, very much. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here, and thank you also, Jane, and uh, even the colleagues. Uh, these students with whom I've spoken a lot. Okay, that's uh, the two minutes of this extra count. Um, yes, I, I founded Alteritas because in 2009 because um, I wanted to start uh, together, together, colleagues, uh, research fellows who had uh, interdisciplinary interests in focusing issues problems, topics of the past. And uh, uh, the aim was also not to uh, discuss until, uh, within us the, the, the problems, but to open them to a, more, a larger audience, to the public, to everyone. And we started with small seminaries, workshops on, for example, on personal names. Many of us had interests. Uh, they were uh, scholars uh, skilled in Middle Ages, uh, others in uh, Roman antiquity, Latin epigraphy, modern uh, demography, and each of us had interest in uh, studying name, personal names. And after that, we began we uh, to to launch a call for paper, a call for congress. Uh, on several topics which are, um, okay, I have dealt with them, with these topics for the, the ancient times, uh, mixed marriage, interactions among people. The name of my association, which has become a research institution, is Ateritas, uh, interactions among people. And that was the topic, the interactions among people. To study how the, the interaction happened and when the interaction were positive, where had a a good, positive outcome, and well not, and why. So we had to research the several parameters, the several uh, motivations which uh, allowed these interactions to be happy, to be productive, and why, in some cases, this interaction conducted to, to fight, to, to work. And there was the possibility that the academia, in, in Italy especially, doesn't give uh, the possibility to be really interdisciplinary and to work diachronically and interdisciplinary. These uh, topics are uh, evergreen topics. I mean, interactions among uh, or mixed marriages uh, are a topic which has existed uh, since the Neanderthal, which we had with the Homo sapiens. And in fact, one of our contributions was dealing on Homo sapiens uh, who made the Neanderthal. Up to nowadays, where mixed couples negotiate within the family everyday issues of uh, language, of religion, of everyday 
life, of common life, and that was the possibility only given by a free, independent uh, research institution. Uh, there was possible, and uh, we had the fortune to be host by the, uh, the UCs, UCs? Uh, uh, which found our interest in uh, interactions among people a very important topic to, to deal with. And we have the luck to be asked by the bishops. And have some support, uh, financial support from them? From them, uh, the financial support was that we can, uh, we have the seat without paying all oh, yeah. so the space. In the sense of the space. The space is fantastic. I was there for a training school on um, on, 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 on ancient languages of pre-Roman Italy, which is an, an absolute treasure of an opportunity. It's a great space, and what was achieved in two days is what you would normally you know, uh, pay hundreds There's and hundreds very, very uh, to... There's yes. yeah, yeah. uh, um, a And the, uh, uh, the, the focus of your current uh, uh, project is uh, uh, more to do with religion. Or rather, the cultic setting of uh, um, of, uh, of different types of um, you know, writing from different uh, ethnicities, different religions across yes, so centuries. Yes, religion is one of the one of the parameters. We have the language, religion, um, history, the history of the past, the memory of the past. Uh, these are also. These are all uh, elements, we have called them parameters, but it is uh, a bad word. Uh, I mean, um, elements which um, enable people coming together. Sometimes religion brings people together, sometimes doesn't, uh, unfortunately. But we have studied also why, in what cases, religious, uh, religion is a plus, uh, a, a positive element. And in which cases it isn't, or the language, the language joins people. Mm. No language, everyone's uh, one people language, uh, allow to communication, allow the communication. The communication is the first step, of course, but mm. not only that. And uh, we have also devoted one of our miscellanies um, to the uh, changing belief, changing faith. And, and people and places. It was a miscellany uh, we launched every with our possible uh, medium, so the linguist list, for example, from linguistic studies, but also each of us has his own uh, mailing list and we reached people all over the world. So people came from, from, uh, from America, from USA, from, from Portugal, from South America, from everywhere. And uh, we uh, devoted this, this uh, miscellanea. Um, all the miscellaneas, all the books we have published, we have become also editors, mm -hmm. and they are available on the Academia uh, site. So the collections are on open access, all these uh, edited open access. collections? From the beginning, they are open access. From the first volume, which was the proceedings of the, of the meeting on international meeting on mixed marriages, second generation of migrants, uh, changing beliefs, uh, the conception of disability. This was one of the last uh, studies which we have promoted in, in Italy. And um, because the 
the conception of uh, disability is something that changes in the culture. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. a fixed term, a fixed concept. And we, we have published uh, one year ago, um, less than one year ago, Michel and they devoted to this topic, which was very, very important. Language is at the core of, uh, of, of, of your own specific research, right? Yes, yes. You know, because I mean, what I found is really fascinating in this, uh, you know, centrality of language uh, to, to questions that really have to do with culture, with history, with, with you know, sort of a sense of belonging. And, and so on. And uh, Simone and I met at, uh, only five years ago at the, uh, at the cost action, the European cost action on ancient fragmentary European languages, where people study, um, it's just finished, uh, five years have gone very quickly. Um, we hosted the final uh, committee uh, meeting here in Dublin last year. And um, it's the study of languages that uh, were destroyed and uh, languages that uh, were spoken by people who were sort of subsumed into uh, the big imperialist uh, uh, forces. Uh, 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 and, uh, you know, so Latin was not included in the list of elementary languages by the action because you know, obviously there's a, a colonization problem. Yes. Uh, but um, uh, you know, I've learned an awful lot through, through the process, but I have to say that, uh, that the best thing that happened through, through that action was to meet Simone with this, uh, all these interests. And, uh, and your project that you have uh, um, focused on in your time here is really to do with the written word as representative of um, some of the things you, dis you just mentioned, the sense of belonging, uh, uh, exchange between you know, cultural interaction, uh, interaction between people, and the interaction even between you know, me right now and somebody who wrote, uh, who wrote uh, maybe 500 years ago, would you want to say something about yes. it? Because I, I think it's a, an extraordinary place. Uh, so, Grotta Poesia, I've shown some pictures of, of Grotta Poesia by Profimoni. Uh, Grotta Poesia is uh, a place in which we have really to put together all our uh, tools uh, from ever, not only linguistic, epigraphy, linguistic, the several theories of linguistics, uh, frame semantics, ethnographical semantics, uh, um, I don't know, actance, actancy theory and everything, uh, but also archaeology, but also landscape, uh, environmental uh, archaeology, genetic population, uh, because it contains um, I would say a library, so a library of inscriptions. Uh, it is a monument, it is a cave century in southern Apulia. Many of you know the problem, with some of you, of you have discussed or even so on, on the single uh, texts which are, which cover the, so the, the surface is 500 meters, quadrat, uh, square meters of inscriptions. They are written in a multi-layer, uh, environment, uh, so 10 layers of inscriptions, one of another, overlapping. 
and there is a, a good problem to, uh, to, to decipher them. Therefore, we have begun uh, last year, 2018, we have begun uh, to give form to a consortium of many entities, uh, local uh, governments, uh, and so on, to universities, Atheritas, and other associations to study this complex. Uh, some inscriptions uh, yet are uh, free from the other. They are good to read. They are one of the main uh, records of the cult of worship practices. Because all was what we know of the Mesopic people comes from necropolis, because the inscriptions, most part of the inscriptions come from the necropolis. Necropolis is the plural and uh, whereas in the in the uh, the cave of Grottapoesia we have worship inscriptions we have inscriptions which belong to the cult and they say I have laid the offerings here the offering here or they begin many inscriptions begins uh, which means uh, listen to me Zeus Zeus Venus which is the uh, this is the Indo-European god for excellence, so the, 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 the king of the, of the gods. Venus is resembled uh, to the, to the Latin Venus, and uh, not to the Greek Aphrodites. Um, Aphrodites. We have then uh, Tauto, which is a local deity, probably uh, in hero in the past, which was Eroes, which was uh, made to as a god. And uh, they are the common uh, common praise. Uh, please listen to me. If you listen to me, I will do that and that for you. And that's a very common uh, way of praying today in everyday times. And these are written in Greek or in Latin? Uh, no, they are written in Mesopic. In Mesopic, all of them? All of them in Mesopic, the most part are in Mesopic. We thought there was a 9% of uh, other writings. We have detected up to now only two Greek inscriptions yeah. yeah, of Hellenistic times, uh, which are relatively late, and of course Latin inscriptions, which come later. Yeah. Uh, we suppose the Mesopic epigraphy had ceased uh, with the second century BC. Can you say something about the Mesopic uh, traditions? You know, who are the population? Yes, the population is a very is a question mark of the history because uh, we don't know. We we do know that they had an Indo-European language, but this language seems not to be relative. Uh, so strictly relative, uh, related? related to other group, uh, groups of uh, Indo-European languages within uh, Europe. And therefore it is quite isolated, it is quite foreseen. And they are restricted to that corner of southern Italy? They, they don't belong, for example, to the um, so-called Coinate uh, or uh, which is a community which shares 
uh, washing practices, uh, names, uh, um, writings. So the dialects or rather languages of, of pre-Roman Italy, large oh, this no, no, jigsaw, but this big sort of Etruscan and Italian. Yeah, so we have languages. Etruscan and the Italian Sabellic languages in the yeah. middle, Etruscan in the today Toscana, up to the northern uh, Po Valley, uh, yeah. Valley, and in the south in Campania. Then we have the languages of Sicily, which are mm, three languages, but unknown, relatively difficult. And of course, Greek. What? And of course, Greek. Greek on the coast, of course. I speak only of Italian yeah. uh, languages. Then we have in the north, Retic, which is related to Etruscan. Then in the north, East, uh, Venetic, which is also an European language. And in the west, Camunic. Nobody knows. Was Camunic. And then the Gauls, which were in Italy since the seventh, says, uh, the seventh century in the in, um, in, in around Como and in, in Ticino and in in in, in West Italy. In the lakes area that uh, Irish people really enjoy going on holiday to. Yes. And now, now you've had a survey of uh, of all the languages of ancient uh, Italy in one and a half minutes, which is good. Yes. Or to say that Mesapic did not actually fit in? No, Mesapic is Indo-European, all we know is Indo-European, some words can be reconstructed, verbal systems, something of the verbal systems. So we have many elements to put, to fit this, this language in, within the Indo-European family. But it's alone, it's isolated. And this has to do with the provenance of these people. And when, and uh, we are debating if they, whether they come from the Balkans, for example. Yes. Ancient sources uh, speak of uh, provenance from Crete, from the Minoan. We have next to Grottaquisia, an incredible huge uh, settlement, is, is a fortified settlement of the Bronze Age. And we have evidence of Minoan and Mycenaean um, uh, peoples. Yeah. Even and not only objects. But uh, they were much older, right? You know, it is you know. from the seventh to the seventeenth to the twelfth right. century. Right. Yeah. And so, what's the, the gap between? There is a gap. Know, there yeah. is a gap because the the Brotopisia was frequented even in the prehistory. We have a prehistoric carvings. Uh, spirals, double axes, uh, uh, other symbols, um, uh, hands and, and food and, uh, and foods, and every kind of prehistoric, also minoic age, very common uh, symbols. And then we have again something happened because uh, we don't ha have seen up to now. The other, for example, the most ancient is Mesopotamian inscriptions dated to the 6th century. 6th, right. The, the text seems to begin with the 4th, 4th, 3rd century. So we have to step, we have to understand why. We know also that there is a 3 meter deep sediment in the grotta, because the grotta today is um, rich from the sea uh, water, and it is also difficult to. to to work inside. We have made resin casts and we are starting also on casts because the, the conditions of working inside the, the cave are very 
issues that is very similar to security in, in a way it's great to have a conversation like this on the other hand you know you really want to see uh, images of this place and you you you, know, you hope that there's someone out there who will eventually you know sponsor uh, this enormous project because it's even on a practical level to yes. reach the place which is large right and to uh, access these fish are submerged and uh, you know, obviously there are problems in actually retrieving the level at yes, which yes. these inscriptions are. You have to take all the stuff, the sediments off and then you yes. know, within a few months the sea builds on yes, them yes. again. It's, uh, but it is one of those places that you, you, you think it's uh, you know, one of the you know, world's heritage uh, yes. sites yes. that uh, should be. And there is a, a very nice thing, uh, I realized this in these days, uh, writings has changed the function and the destiny of this uh, monument in the centuries. We have next to this cave another smaller cave where people go to uh, dive, to dive, yeah. to dive. And uh, it is a tourist attraction. Uh, there are many people going there. There is blue water inside. It is a very, a, a very nice place where to go to, to uh, by the sea. The grotta with its inscriptions has become a monument. It was a sanctuary. Then it's a, a monument. Writings changed. Uh, the, the, the writings, the carvings in prehistoric. So Mesapi people found that the walls were already carved with symbols, with magic, with religious symbols, and they decided to continue the code. It happens in many, uh, for example, we have a, a cave in uh, Santa Maria di Agnano, Mustuni, uh, still in, in Apulia, which is frequented from the Paleolithic, so uh, uh, skeletal Paleolithic uh, times where, where it was found. And it has been uh, frequented up to later times, up today, Santa Maria the Union, mm -hmm. the Holy Maria. And it is interesting um, that the caves that uh, centuries are experiencing a very long life of frequentation of yeah. worshipping. Yeah, this is in the actual historic and to a large extent archaeological side of the project. And, and as I said, you know, um, uh, Simona is, you know, has has degrees in, the, uh, you know, academic degrees in both archaeology and uh, and and classical philology. So, but it's it really uh, you need people with different expertise to tackle all this stuff uh, because it is it is complex. But you know the, uh, the the writing aspect of it. What you said earlier about you know the writing having transformed the the, the, the value and the, the, the function of the of, of the site uh, struck me because you're talking about writing that has occultic or ritualistic quality to it, as opposed to uh, well, actually, even if I write my name just to write my name is to an extent, a ritual, a ritual, right? But you know what? What you were saying is that most of the inscriptions are in fact direct addresses to 
the deities as opposed to affirmations of somebody's presence? Or do we also have um, inscriptions, as far as you know, um, that say, I was here? Yes, probably, and there are the most difficult parts of the of the surfaces because uh, we have the impression that uh, in some places inscriptions are cover one to another, as uh, in the so-called ego inscriptions, uh, they seems not to be the uh, worship inscriptions we have in other separate places, because this one, the cult inscriptions, have been spared from later interventions. While the, uh, these parts with numbers, we have numbers, and numbers often are, um, the, the, are connected, are linked to uh, ego inscriptions. I was here, I was old, I'm old, so and so. Or ego as I. Yes, yeah. ego, yeah, ego inscriptions. I inscriptions. I because there is a label to, to mean this kind of inscriptions. We have inscriptions of the shepherds on the mountains uh, in Lesinia. Gesic uh, recalled all the, uh, collected all the, all the inscriptions. Bazzanella Gesic published the volume some years ago on the shepherds' inscriptions on the mountains. And there are all I inscriptions in the, in the meaning I was here and that's the, the name that's the, the year in which I was here and uh, something similar must have happened uh, as in other modern places I have discovered that um, in uh, Edinburgh pubs uh, the, the elephant cafe in the days uh, in the ladies bathroom the surface is covered by hundreds of inscriptions. Thank you, thank you, and I was happy to be here just because the Rowling, <laughs> the writer of uh, Harry Potter, was there. And I was there to write his, uh, his, uh, his first volume of Harry Potter. And this has become the place, this has become a worship place in a modern sense. Mm. And that's uh, there are so many. There is the the door of the reconciliation. Yeah, have seen some days ago uh, the door of reconciliation, which is in the late 15th, uh, 16th century, and it is overwritten by written by so many inscriptions after the yeah. the, the reconciliation by those two families. Mm. The, uh, it was the Fitzgerald mm -hmm. and the Butlers, which has struggled and then uh, it is a symbol, it has become a symbol. Mm -hmm. And the same happens today and in the past. And we try to actualize the past in order to speak with the past, yeah. not, to, not only to learn from the past, yeah, yeah. but to speak with them and to, to see how do they encounter themselves as well, the several peoples. And, uh, yeah. No, that is, uh, uh, you know, what makes uh, you know, the, the, the study of inscriptions uh, particularly attractive and uh, it's, you know, to, uh, epigraphy or the study of inscriptions has always been, you know, traditionally regarded as sort of uh, ancillary to history or other, other more important disciplines, but actually without the ability to uh, to read your primary sources, uh, what can you do? And your primary sources are not just the sort of uh, 
literary records that require your knowledge of it. You know, what people, non-literary writing, tell us, sometimes is, uh, if not more, you know, it's just as important, if not more important, than, one, the liter than what the literary sources tell us. I mean, this is, uh, uh, been made very clear uh, in recent decades by the study of non-literary Latin. It really has changed our view of what this language was. Because uh, you do not have just you know, the sort of canonical text, and you have old private letters, you have graffiti, you have cast tablets, and so on. Uh, obviously, for languages that are so underrepresented, like the Sapic or any of the other languages, you're talking about um, you want to use every scrap of evidence, and there's absolutely no I mean, for all the languages you talked about earlier, you know. Only, you know, only a trust can make us can have some literature. I mean, there's no. Uh, it's longer text. Yeah, uh, longer text. But mostly uh, we're yeah. talking about inscriptions that are names. Yeah, names mostly of people, 90 names percent, of societies. 90% yeah. of the text. Yeah. They are text. Yeah. And we have to read them as every uh, other text. The text linguistics. We have to suppose that they are probably. There are so many ellipses in them, yeah. so many yeah. things that have been given us uh, understood as uh, already implicated in the discourse, and therefore they were dropped uh, because they were unrelevant. But unfortunately, 90% of the lexicon are names, personal names. Indeed, personal names can tell us a lot. Yeah on the origin, on the provenance of peoples. We have, for example, in the Sapphic inscriptions, inscription, a, the name of a, a woman, which is Seconda Cesareiei. And the name Seconda is a Latin name. It's a Latin name. Seconda. Uh, it is the way in which one of the possibilities uh, uh, Latin people gave the name is the name after the birth. So, primo, secondo, status, and so on. And the Cesarei is Caesarius. Uh, we know a, a Latin gentleman, uh, which is a family name, Gentilicia, the family name, which is uh, namely Caesarius, uh, which is normally connected with uh, liberty, with uh, freedom. freedom. And, uh, but it is interesting because it's a woman which has been integrated in the Sapphic society. And we know that because of the adaptation of the morphemes into the local language. When you start in the names, you have several stages in which a name can be included in another society. Um, the first level is only the phonological adaptation, and that is in the, in the first. Uh, in the first time. Then we have uh, a deeper integration, we have also morphological. We have mm -hmm. even translation of names. That's, um, for example, when Italians went to move to America, we have so many fresh water, Fitzwater, which were the aqua fresca yeah. in Italian. It was very, very nice. The name was translated. Mm -hmm. And that means the need of every person who migrates to be integrated, to uh, to have a, mi a minuses, uh, minuses yes. on, yeah, yeah. of his name. Eh? Arditi, we know many Arditi, which is an Italian family. As soon as they reach the America, they change the E and uh, Y. Eh? In, uh, and so they, the, 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 the name looked like 
uh, in American name. And this is a strategy which every people in every time uh, try to, to, to realize. It's fantastic to see you know, that uh, this. Uh, you know, so we have uh, many examples of these integrated names in the in the grotta, or is the secunda an isolated one? Because it is, the secunda isn't in the grotta. It is in in in, in another inscription. Right. In, uh, in we didn't have. Uh, we have some uh, Latin name, but we have difficulties to regulate the description. At the moment, uh, we are some names, but uh, in the Mesopic, we have mostly Mesopic names. And uh, we have to check all the. Uh, I, I suppose there will be thousands of inscriptions. Yeah. The inscriptions, the worship inscriptions, contain Mesopic persons. And that's also strange because we thought that being that a cave, a maritime century, much more people could, could have come, uh, Greek people. We have something similar, for example, in the opposite coast, in, um, in Albania, uh, we have Gramata, which is also a place with cliffs, and on the cliffs there are inscriptions in Greek language. And there are more inscriptions to the Dioscuri, uh, to the twins, God, living twins, and uh, there are more main names, uh, Greek names. Uh, there are also Latin inscriptions, but in the grotta, most of the inscriptions seems to be in the south. Mm -hmm. And the presence of other inscriptions is only uh, a problem of times, because yeah. later came the, the, the Latins in the second and the first century BC, the region was Latinized. Uh, Romanized, <laughs> assimilated to the, Roman, uh, to, to the Romans, and therefore we have Latin inscriptions as proof. We could go on talking about this stuff for hours, but I think you know, we.